Father Anthony, you look terrible today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go eat a snack and then cry and take a nap. Well, That's I, what I'm going to do. I was trying to start redoing the commercials. <laughs> That's a commercial, but this is all part of the commercial. Go to your, uh, I'm going to buy some beard balm, take a nap and cry, but it'll be better because, no, sorry, go ahead. Yo, yeah, no, you were, you were on it. You'll, you look terrible today, but you'll get a little bit of cleanup. You'll get some beard balm, some beard oil. And maybe some lotion for your dying skin. ForteCatholic.com slash beard for 10% off. Maybe it's 11%. It's 11% off. It's the worst commercial we've ever done. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> no. Is that real? Are we, are we keeping that? Absolutely, we're keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, here we go. I am the host of the show, but I'm not alone because Jesus is with me. Because whenever Father Anthony Serapa does this podcast, he is in persona Christi. What's up, Jesus? Uh, nothing much. I'm trying to process theologically everything you said, and it, it hurt my brain. So, well, but anyway, glad to be on the show. Like, like I do with the church, whenever I don't understand something that the church teaches, I have, uh -huh. I have learned to trust the church so much because the church has never said anything wrong, never taught anything right. incorrectly. Like anytime mm -hmm. I have a question, I always get it answered. And I know that you trust me that much, so you can just trust that I was right. Okay. For the sake of continuing the show, let's say that's how I approach things. For the sake of your sorrowful podcast co-host. <laughs> <laughs> I just, we should have a whole chaplet for podcasters. <laughs> oh, we should write this. Um, this is a good idea. Which is great because, that's a great segue, because I had an idea and then you took it and ran with it, which is actually what I kind of want to talk about first. Because okay. uh, right, I, I've had this conversation that I've wanted to have with you for a month, and I told you that. I asked you, because I'm just a great and brilliant interviewer, like everyone knows this. And yes. so I asked these, these very deep, thought-provoking questions, and I asked you a question while we were playing video games. And you were like, huh, I've never really thought of that. And then we had this great conversation. At the end of that conversation, I said... Great. Now we'll, we'll talk about this to start off the next show. And then you just you cheated on me. You just went and shared all of those insights on Twitter, and I'm very upset with you. Well, in my defense, I forgot we had that conversation. It was my idea. Like the whole reason you had those thoughts was because I asked you a qu poignant question. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a deep dark secret about uh, ministry, priesthood, and preaching in general. All of my good ideas are stolen. Right. Every single one. No, 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 no. no. So I, 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 do, I, I, I steal no. good ideas so often that I don't even realize when I do it. So it's not my fault. I'm not. No, okay. It is your fault. And here's the caveat. I, okay. too, am in ministry. I, too, am on the radio and the podcasting thing. I steal ideas from people all the time. And right. sometimes, very rarely, I'll give them credit. Uh, but here's here's the thing. It's not. The, <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you give someone it's, else credit? It's not the credit. No, and I, I don't want to. I said that, but I, I knew you were going to take it the wrong way. I don't want credit for you or from yeah. you, even mm -hmm. though you have you know a lot of followers on Twitter. Um, not as many followers as one of our guests today, but that's a whole other conversation that we'll get into right. later. But uh, you took something that I specifically said, this is Forte Catholic content for our next show. 
and you said, okay. And then three days later, you had forgotten. After three days, Jesus was dead and came back to life. After three days, you betrayed my trust. <laughs> so you were hey, not lo- in Persona Christi at that moment. <laughs> a lot can happen in three days. I think that's what you're trying to say, and I agree. You do agree. Um, and, which leads me to the actual conversation that we had. Um, cool. Our leaders are not perfect, you in particular. Uh, we have we very have, true. We have proven this. We have proven <laughs> this. So I want to have two conversations. Uh, first, I have to let the people know what what the conversation, the very insightful question I asked you was, because mm-hmm. I knew obviously that priests hear confessions. I also yeah. knew intellectually that priests go to confession, but yes. I had never thought to ask a priest. Um, and the next time I have an insightful question, I'll ask a priest that won't give all of my thoughts away. But, you know, so I okay. learned a lesson in this as well. But I hope people <laughs> listening to this learn a different lesson. Um, the lesson that I learned from you um, just about a month ago. Um, so I had never asked anybody, okay, he, he, I've heard hearing confessions are great. I've heard going to confession, and I know that going to confession is great. Like, it is my favorite sacrament to participate in. Like, I know yeah. that the Eucharist is the source and summit, but, like, confession, I'm, I'm a very bad person, uh, so I need the confession before I go get the Jesus in the Eucharist, right? So um, it's like the, like, the, baptism is the gateway sacrament to all the rest of them, but, like, I lock myself out a lot, so confession is the gateway <laughs> to, to yeah. uh, every, every other week or so. So... Um, when it comes to hearing confessions, I want people to hear what you told me privately and then shared publicly without giving me any credit on Twitter. Do you like, he, like, which one is more spiritually uplifting for you? Going to confession where you are confessing your sins or being in that moment in Persona Christi, hearing confessions and being, being to act as Christ and forgive people's sins? Which one is cooler? Right, yeah. So the, we, we all agree they're both very cool. And when you first asked me the question, I forget what I said. But it was. I was like, oh, that's an interesting question. Oh, but it's strange happened, that you would forget something about this conversation. Right, right, right. Um, but what happened, I, I go to confession once a month to my spiritual director. And about three days after our conversation, uh, I went to the confession with him. And I was like, oh, man. Getting forgiven my sins, it's way better. It's just the best. So, And, and thinking about this, for me, if I only uh, heard other people's confessions, and if I never went to confession... Um, hearing people's confessions would eventually become tedious, annoying, frustrating. I would become bitter. I would become angry. It's hearing those words of forgiveness spoken to me that I'm reminded about how much God loves us, how much he loves me, how merciful uh, God is to me. And it's that it's that thing that allows me then and impels me to be merciful to others. So as much as I really do love hearing confessions and being a part of this process where people are set free, the only way I can do that well is when me going to confession regularly. So hearing confession, hearing someone hearing my confession is definitely, um, they're close, but that's, that's the one I, uh, appreciate more. Now you um, are absolutely driving me insane. You told me the exact opposite. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Let's talk about that. <laughs> right. Well, I guess I, I mean, three days later I, I heard a, a priest heard my confession. I was like, Whoa, this is way better. So, Hey, you are a uh, child. Was- you, you are, you are, a, 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 you are captured by the moment. Whatever yeah. is the most recent thing that you have done. You're like, that's the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> you what had, can I say? I, this... I, I embody many childlike qualities, um, all of which uh, bring me closer to Jesus Christ. And his yeah, I don't heart. think that's so what you. he meant when he said, be more like a child. Jeez Louise. 
Uh, I'm like, this is cool. That is cool. Everything is cool. I think that's good. <laughs> Everything is cool. So you you actually said the exact opposite thing to me a month ago. Fascinating. You were you were like, I, I mean, like getting you you even said like almost the exact same words, just fill in for the other one. <laughs> you were like, I love getting my 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 sins wiped away. It's it's great to hear those words that I get to say in the confessional, and like it is those. It is like. Going to confession that actually prepare me to hear confessions, but it was like, man, like hearing that and being able to say those words that I heard when I was being absolved and being able to say that to other people often brings me to tears. And here you are telling me a month later that this great content I had not only was given away, but it was a lie. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I think it goes to show how close they are. They're both really awesome. Okay, sure. Well, this leads, um, this was not the intended segue, but it leads perfect into the next conversation I wanted to have with you about uh-huh. our leaders not being perfect. Um, I don't know how there's a segue <laughs> there, but okay. <laughs> our leaders can sometimes lie to us. They can sometimes um, take our take our own things and, and betray our trust um, mm. in situations like um, some others that may have been shared on this show today. Um, but mm. Where this really came up uh, was this weekend. I I think I spent more hours at church than you this weekend. Do you do you want to do you want to combat me on that? Oh, I might. Um, how many hours do you think you spent? So just on Sunday, I was I was at church from eleven fifteen until four fifteen, so five hours straight, and then I took like okay. a two hour break and I went back for an hour and a half. So five and a half hours on Sunday. Do I have you beat? That's pretty good. Let's see. Uh, one, I, and two, you, you, you got you, me beat by like about on that. Uh, you can't count hour, living there. I, I know that you live there. You can't right, count. Right, right, right. I actually sleep right by the tabernacle. That's where I live. No, uh, you do have me beat. Yeah. I thought so. Okay. So I was at church for a very long time. I, um, so uh, one thing that I haven't talked about much because for the most part it's under wraps, but I've had like, like it's, it's, it's mostly fixed because I have a pill to fix it. I have insomnia and I've had insomnia since I was in grad school. So if I go to sleep, without this pill, I actually don't ever get into my deep sleep. So I actually wake up more tired than I was when I went to sleep last mm. week. I was an exhausting week. It was a great week. We had a great, uh, retreat that I led for our Catholic school here. It was phenomenal, but it, it, it's almost a hundred junior high kids. It's exhausting. Right. So yeah, I was like, man. okay, I'm going to go get some extra sleep tonight. I was in bed for like nine to 10 hours, but I woke up the next morning and I felt terrible. And I was like, what is happening? Like I had woken up Every 10 minutes, like the whole night, I'm like, what's going on? And I look on my dresser, and there was my sleeping pill that I had set out for me for the night before, and I hadn't Aww. slept. So Taylor was grumpy on Sunday when Taylor was at church all day. Uh, so I'm le- here I am, grumpy. Um, when I get grumpy and tired and frustrated, I can fall into temptation more often than I do when I'm not frustrated, tired, and angry, and hangry, and all of the things. Uh, which I think is is pretty pretty typical for people, but very true for myself. So here I am, uh, probably not the best version of myself, as some Catholic speakers would say, right? <laughs> I am right. not. So here I am Sunday morning, leading this Bible study or this like discipleship group for these tenth grade boys who I've been uh, I've been involved in their lives for this is like over four years now, and I'm like mentoring them, discipling them with a buddy of mine, and the buddy of mine looks at me in the middle of this group, and he's like, essentially, we're talking about discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? And essentially, he was like, I just want you guys, and he meant it genuinely. He really did. He's like, I just want you guys to grow up to be good Christian men like Taylor. And like, my first thought was, 
I, I'm not that good. Like, you know, like I'm not, sure, I'm sure. not that great. I don't, I don't know if I should be the, uh, the, the beacon for people to, to gauge their holiness by. Right. Like you could, you could have said like, grow up to be like Padre Pio or John Vianney or something like that. But he's like, you know what? Taylor Schroll, that's it, the guy. Yeah. So it bothered me at the time. And then I was with those kids for another three hours because we had a like day, uh, like a day of reflection, like a few hours of preparation for their confirmation. So I was with them there again. And I, there I am exhausted in, and we're in adoration and I'm kneeling with these boys. And then I'm exhausted, so I, like, put my tush on the chair behind me, right? So, of course, mm-hmm. what do they do? They do the same exact thing. Like, they are following me <laughs> for, better, uh, yeah. for better or for worse. And he- here was the thought I had. Because, it's it, like, the, you talking about Padre Pierre or these saints, um, it's an interesting thing. I think it's an interesting topic, and I, I can't say that one is better than the other, but I think the two need to be balanced. Because so often we see, like, oh, we need to be, like, Father Anthony, or we need to be like a, a version of a holy priest, actually, or we need to be like like a saint, or we need to be like Mother Teresa. And what I've seen a lot, both in myself and in working in ministry, is people are like that's that's not attainable. I can't be Mother Teresa because she was perfect. I can't be uh, Padre Pio because he was perfect. I can't be Father Anthony because he is perfect. And it's this idea that like even if we're told that those people weren't perfect. It still seems so unattainable so that we're not actually going to do anything to actually grow in our own holiness. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And that, that happens a lot. Um, I think I shared this quote with somebody, but, um, you know, Teresa of Avila, who's great saint, reformed the Carmelites, uh, at the beginning of her autobiography, she says the exact same thing. She says something like, I've never found consolation in any of the saints because it seems like they, once they were converted, never sinned again. But after I was converted, I've sinned so many times. And like hearing that come from another saint, that was very helpful to me. But yeah, that's a temptation. Like these guys are perfect. I'm not. There's no point even looking at them. And that's that's not healthy. Which is funny because she's saying similar, like we're recognizing similar things. She wasn't a saint at the time. She was a normal person that was like, wow, these <laughs> saints are super holy. I, I can't be like them. And sure enough, later on, she becomes a saint, right? So yeah, I, I, exactly. I, like as bothered as I was. Uh, when when this guy was like, oh, you need to be like Taylor, like, like that is, and like this this idea that like the normal practicing Catholic that's like striving for holiness. I am that. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good yeah. at it, but I'm striving for it. Right? You are that. Uh, a, a lot of people like like that we know are that. I would yeah. be more than happy for people to be like we are the people that should be discipling people that should be involved in young people's lives in uh, fellow adults lives fellow young adults lives like helping walk with them to be closer to God and I started thinking about Paul because Paul's what Paul's my dude I love Paul and it's yeah. like we've talked about this on the show but it has been a long time I thought about it again this weekend how there's this balance where Paul Paul says in his writings I, I am the chief among sinners like I am the worst of the worst and then chapters later he says I, I I am a Christian, do what I do, and you too will be a Christian. And it's yeah. it's this it's this balance of the two. I am a screw up, I, I mess up, I am a sinner, but at the same time, I am striving. I am trying to do this. So I and I think that reality actually helps us to be able to find Christian leaders that we want to follow and actually want to do something about it because it's not something that's super unattainable. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That people learn from your mistakes as well as your virtues. And that's really the whole Christian project while we're on this side of heaven 
is to not to be perfect per se, but just to continually accept the love and mercy of Jesus Christ and try to share that with others. And if we're, if that's what we're trying to do, then that's something that should be imitated. And when we have great successes, that's great. It gives people hope. When we have failures, in a certain way, that kind of gives people hope too, because it, it lets you know that like those things can be forgiven and redeemed too. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for real. And like, and I, and I, I know it can be taken as a joke, but I mean it very seriously. Like a lot of the great people that I've met on like either through like traveling and, and speaking and doing music or through the internet, like people like, like you, Father Jared, um, mm. like uh, Sean and John and, and Allison and like all of these people. It's like a lot of these great people are seen as these great leaders and often people will say, oh, I think that they are perfect. And actually truly getting to know these people as real people, like getting to know, like you're here, getting to know you, mm-hmm. yeah. I actually am more... Um, inclined to be inspired by you and to want to grow closer to Christ knowing your imperfections because like <laughs> when, like I, 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 I like it is kind of a joke right like no no no, no. I, I'm just appreciating it because like that's what happens like once you know how imperfect I am then you see the good things that I do it's really Christ shining through me and if Christ can shine through me he can do it through you so that's why I was laughing not because it, you know we're it yeah absolutely right that makes perfect sense. It, it's just it's just so weird and like I'll joke about this with my boss all the time it's like seeing him fail as a father makes me feel better about myself and also want to be a better father like it's this weird <laughs> it's this weird thing it's like it's yeah. not like oh he's not good so I'm not good because both of us are actually probably pretty good at it but we want to be better and and I like how you said that holiness is Christ in you because there I am in adoration with these young men and uh, we're singing Lord I need you which is a song that I have heard and led myself <laughs> Hundreds of times, yeah. right? But he, like, one of the lines going, like, in the second verse is the whole holiness is Christ in me. Like, where where grace about where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So even when I'm not being the best version of myself, right? When I'm sinning, mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm exhausted, when I'm frustrated, when I don't want to be at church, like, holiness is still Christ in me. He's still there, whether I whether I'm doing things right or not. Uh, if I'm doing things very poorly, I need to go to the confession, like we talked about earlier. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like that, like grace is abounding where my sin is abounding, and He still loves me anyway. He's still calling me higher. Amen. Perfect. You're perfect. That's actually the opposite <laughs> of what we were just talking about. But anyway, uh, this was a good segment. You're good at this, Father Anthony. I like you. Yeah. <laughs> I like you too, Taylor. Okay, thanks. All right, uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Fa- Ra- Father Rob. Gallia, right now. Father Anthony, that last commercial we did was the worst thing you and I have ever done together. <laughs> it you, was bad. It was bad. Would you like to do a, a better one? I would like to attempt. Okay. Yes. He, I want you to attempt this. Um, I also have socks for 10% off, fortecatholic.com slash socks. What do you think that you can say to make people want to go buy these socks at a discount and also help support the show? Fun socks are fun and holy socks are holy. Like a lot of times you can't spruce up your outfit because you have to wear a certain thing, but you can always get away with wearing awesome socks. So buy some awesome socks at Sock Villages. Fortecatholic.com slash socks. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I'm still your host, Taylor Schroll. Father Anthony is also on the line and... Father Anthony's pretty upset about this next guest. I'm not going to lie. 
Uh, Father Anthony is used to being my, my favorite priest friend. He's used to being the most popular priest friend that I have. He's used to being um, the, the, the popular one, the fun one. And I found a priest that's more fun than you, Father Anthony. I found a priest that's more popular than you. And I have a priest, uh, first and foremost, like the primary thing of all of this, something that you have desired for a very long time is a blue check mark on social media. And yes. Father Rob Gallia has one of those blue check marks. So, Father Rob, uh, it's great to have you here to replace Father Anthony. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I feel so horrible already. <laughs> I, good. I'm glad you feel horrible because that's how I feel right now. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm not here. I didn't call in to, to replace you. I'm here to compliment you. To, to, we're, we're a team. We work together. Well, that's what you true. both thought, but I have different ideas. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I was I, I found you on Instagram uh, maybe a year ago, a few months ago, and I was like, this guy, this priest is a literal rock star. And, and then I started uh, researching you a little bit more as I was looking for guests, and then once we booked you as a guest, I stalked you because that's what I do with all of my guests. And you are a priest who is a literal yes. rock star, like you travel around the world performing music. You're also an author uh, whose book is being turned into a movie. You also host a podcast, but we all know that that is like the lesser form of all the medias because those are the ones <laughs> that Father Anthony and I are allowed to do. But uh, you do like the real things. Like, it's just crazy. How, how do you find time to like hear confessions and to travel around as a rock star? How do you, how do, you do that? Well, I, I think the first thing to understand is that the priesthood um, is traditionally seen and confined to parish and sitting in a confessional and, and here ce celebrating mass um, throughout the, the day and the weekend. So that's typically not how I live out my priesthood. I, I, I am a priest wherever I am. I hear confessions on airplanes. I hear confessions when I'm at youth conferences. But I, I only work in a parish two days a week. The rest of the time I run a non-for-profit organization where we reach, I think it's 1.4 million teenagers across, wow. particularly across Australia and Canada and, and Asia. Um, and then and another thing that I do, even though it looks like I travel a lot, I post a lot about my travels because that's the time I have time to hold my camera. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do travel as well. I, I travel around the world. I, t I speak uh, as this year alone, I would have spoken to 1.7 million people um, across the world. And uh, my passion my, is, is certainly not, certainly no way to be a, a rock star, but it's to proclaim Jesus, to, to make Jesus famous, um, to make Jesus known. And a lot of my work is in places where people don't know Jesus. So I don't speak necessarily at um, Steubenville conferences and things like that where um, we continue to build, the, uh, uh, which is amazing, which is absolutely amazing. But I go to places where people have never heard about Jesus. I go to uh, state schools where um, they equate Jesus with Hercules. You know, he was a fictional character. Mm. And so this is, this is where most of my work is done. And, I, and to do that, um, I use social media, I use music, movies, going out um, into schools. And, and we have an organization as well that creates cool and and engaging resources for schools state schools and schools that are not allowed to proclaim jesus the most important follow-up question i have of all the things that you've done in your ministry the most important thing that we all need to hear is if hercules and jesus got in a fight who would win well i think i'm worried about jesus turning the other cheek <laughs> this is, this is, 
So I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe Hercules, he'll let Hercules win. But at the end of the day, we know who will be at peace. <laughs> I like how you're talking about your priesthood. You're able to do a lot of these uh, very different things. And it actually wasn't until today when I was uh, getting ready for, the, for our conversation that I realized that I actually saw you years ago on Australian X Factor. And I, I yes. you know, I had heard it was going through YouTube and social media that this priest got up and sang and played lights out, but that like there you were doing essentially what you're talking about doing now, where you were sharing Christ, you're sharing the gospel, you're sharing your faith in front of a very secular audience, you know, Australian X Factor. What I didn't find out until today, why don't you explain why you didn't end up finishing that competition? My X Factor story started five years before I actually appeared on the X Factor, where I got a call from The Voice CBS in, in the United States, and they asked me to audition. And um, after the year after that, the, the Voice, The X Factor, Australian Idol, all of those started calling me and wanting a priest, you know, because it's a, a cool, it's, it's a controversial thing to have a priest on The X Factor. And I kept saying, no, I didn't want to do it because, first of all, I was busy enough. Second of all, I already had a record deal. Third of all, I just didn't want to be seen as a pop star. At the end of the day, it's not about my music. My music is, is uh, there is beauty in the music. But at the end of the day, my music without um, proclaiming Jesus makes little sense to me. So I thought, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. But eventually, um, in 2015, the production crew flew over to my hometown and they just wanted to meet up with me. And so they sat down, they said, Father Rob, we want you to audition, just audition, and then you can leave the show. <laughs> and I said, look, I said, there's nothing to lose there. So that's what I did. I auditioned. But when I auditioned, I got four yeses from the judges and I'm thinking, oh no, I, I didn't think this through. And they go clapped and they went, oh, you're going to boot camp. And I'm thinking, now what am I going to do? And so I did. They did convince me to do boot camp. And then I kept on going through. But, you know, every time I prayed, every time I sat with the Lord, I just felt, Rob, this is not for you. This is not for you. And I had to uh, eventually stand before the judges and say, guys, I thank you so much for this opportunity. But I'm going to leave the show. And it was hard. It was a hard decision because the tabloids were writing about me. I was getting international press. I was getting a lot of attention. And no matter how humble you want to be, that's, I mean, people enjoy that. You enjoy attention, you know? Yeah. And so, but I had to fight it, you know, and I had to stand before the judges and say, listen, guys, this is not for me. And they were upset. Uh, they were angry, actually. And the producers came to tell me, how, why did you do this? Why didn't you tell us? Because I knew they wouldn't let me go. And so um, eventually I, I left the show, but... Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity, but at the end of the day, it's not what I want. Yes, um, it um, can be perceived as a pop star, but it's in everything I do, everything I do, I, I, I seek to point to Jesus, never to myself. I am an instrument, yes, and, and people see me, and I do take gym selfies, and people see me, but at the end <laughs> of the day, my whole picture is not to, to elevate myself, but to so, glorify God. Father Rob, just a question for you. Are you a diocesan yes. priest, religious? I'm a diocesan priest. So I'm actually incarnated in Malta in, in Europe. Uh -huh. And then um, I'm on loan, so to speak. I'm a missionary to, um, to a, a small country diocese in Victoria, Australia. So our diocese, I think we have um, uh, 46 parishes with about 22 active priests. Oh, wow. 
something yeah, like so that. I'm just, I'm just curious. Do you ever have to have like an awkward conversation with your bishop saying, hey, I'm going to be on this TV show? Or is he kind of like let you do what you got to do? Or how, how does that relationship work? Well, I, I'm very, I like to be accountable to him. So I'm never on a show without asking him, without speaking to him. Um, sometimes there are certain things, certain agreements I have. But you see, the general press in Australia is very anti-Catholic, anti-religious. And so yes. I have to really be careful. I have to really be cautious. And mm -hmm. so I work with a media team, um, a great media team um, who are specialized in this, um, which are from the Sydney Archdiocese. They, they're really helpful to me. And so they go on their advice as well. Um, at the end of the day, um, th we need all the good press we can get as a Absolutely, church, yeah. particularly in Australia. So they are generally, um, my bishop is very supportive, um, but yeah, I have to, I've had to say no to a whole lot more things than I've said yes to. And one, some are in obedience to the bishop and some are just in, in thinking, um, trying to be wise. Well, at least you have that opportunity. Like you were invited to come on to the show and you said you're going to leave after the audition, like Father Anthony and I would be also asked to leave after the audition. So either <laughs> way, yeah, either yeah. way, uh, we had the same deal there. And speaking of deal, you said that you had the record deal, but all of this came after a childhood where you had a different kind of record. You got yourself into a little bit of trouble. Uh, so here you are, this this internationally traveling priest, um, not a rock star because you don't want me to call you that, but you are a star who plays rock music. So I'll, I'll let the people <laughs> figure figure that out. Uh, you, you've gotten all of this, all of this publicity. You're doing great things, and yet. As a teenager, uh, not so much. So you, you wrote this book called Breakthrough about your journey, and I just want you to share a little bit of that with us today. Well, th this book came um, after me giving my testimony around the world, and people asked me to write the book, and then eventually I wrote the book, and then, um, as you said earlier on, I did get a, a, a film deal. So this is actually going to be made into a Hollywood movie, and we're in the process. But you see, the, the point of it is, is a, that it is a story of redemption. So I come from a background of addiction, a place where I had um, uh, ended up uh, in gangs, in violence. And by the time I was 16, I was just locked up in my room, addicted, lost, and depressed, and suicidal. And there, when I had reached the end of myself, because of praying parents, because of the perseverance of people around me who fought a spiritual war for me, um, I, I've, I've found a sense of breakthrough through community and, and through my relationship, discovering my relationship with Jesus. And after, after discovering, discovering this relationship with Jesus, I wanted nothing but to proclaim, to tell people about this hope that I had discovered. And so... The, the book is about how I got through my addictions, how I got through the darkness, through the depression, and eventually found this place um, where I, I, want, I needed to share it with others. And this is why I'm so relentless in, in proclaiming Jesus, because I know what it's like to, to wake up every morning and want to end your life. I know what it's like to be hopeless. I know what it's like to... To, to know that God exists, but, but, but not think that God is strong enough, big enough to reach out to, to, to me. And I've seen his redemption in my life. I've seen his mercy in my life. And 
I'll stop at nothing until I, I, I can proclaim that. Speaking of proclaiming to the world, you are currently proclaiming this from a parking lot in America. I am, yes. <laughs> um, to, and to make things worse, I'm in a parking lot right next to the airport. So <laughs> I'm next to LAX airport and there are planes going all over. And there's a dumpster right in front of me as well. So three times, <laughs> three times they've come to, to, throw, to throw trash into this dumpster. Which is hilarious because it's a it's a metaphor for everything that you're talking about. All the busyness in life, and there's LAX, and there's literal trash being dumped in front of you, and there are people going the wrong way. Look at that! I just made it. I just made it yes. all. I just made it all work. Um, yeah. But one of the things that that your book talks about is that that your book and that obviously your faith offers a path to joy and to peace in a world where bad things happen, not where bad things used to happen and now I'm good. But uh, being able to deal with those real things as they still happen, um, how, like what would what would you say to somebody who's listening today, who has difficult things happening in their life, where they're feeling some of the suicidal thoughts, or they're dealing with addictions, they're in the midst of this thing, trying to live a Catholic life. These there are these bad things still happening. What is that path to joy and to peace? Well, I'd say there's a number of things um, to consider. Um, I think one of the things that we have to understand is that we cannot do this alone. We don't have the strength to, to, to find redemption by our own strength. And this is the beauty of, of Christianity. This is the beauty of Jesus, that Jesus doesn't wait for us to run to him. He runs to us. All we need to do is to stop. Psalm 46, I don't know if you ever heard the psalm, Psalm, be still and know that I am God. But it, I think it's so misunderstood because you see that psalm is not about being still in silence in a chapel, which we in in the English world sort of tend to use it. You know, I want to be still and let God work. No, the context of that in, in, in Hebrew was they were in the middle of a war and God says, hey, just iskot. The word is iskot, which literally means shut up. And this is what, <laughs> seriously, this is, the, this is in the Bible, you know. And God says, just shut up and let me fight that war for you. Let me redeem you. Stop trying so hard to be a saint by your own strength. Stop trying so hard to find freedom by your own strength. And just stop, shut up, and let me fight this war for you. So I think once the first thing is surrender. That's a strange encouragement, Father Rob. Very strange way yes. to encourage people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true because we try so militantly to, to, to fight our own holiness. But, you know, the result of that is that we end up going to confession week after week with the same things because we don't let God take that space that we've emptied. You know, it's just it's us constantly warring and it's exhausting. And so I think that's the one thing, just relationship with God, letting God fight this battle for you. And two, the second thing is community. We need accountability. We need people around us. Third thing is we need the sacraments because sometimes we can pray, we can speak to God, but sometimes we don't feel God. Sometimes we, we don't know if we're connected with God, but in the, in the sacraments, we have the objective presence of God. And that's so powerful, especially when dealing with addiction, especially when dealing with, with, with depression, especially when dealing with hopelessness. And then I think the fourth thing that I discovered, and I discovered that later on, is, is rest. <laughs> How important it is to rest, but to rest not separate from my faith and to rest not separate from, from my love of God, but resting with God in his love as well. All right. Father Anthony, take us home. We need one more insight from you to prove why you're the second most famous priest that I've ever talked to. 
that's that's a lot of pressure after everything that uh, Father Rob has said. Um, but maybe just real quickly, you know, to go from having this major conversion experience is, is a big step. But then uh, discerning the priesthood is is another big step. Did that happen yeah. right after your conversion, or did it take some time? What was what no. was the thing that drew you to the priesthood? Well, I didn't consider the priesthood until I was, I think, twenty one. So I had my conversion at seventeen. I had a relationship. I was in a relationship for almost four years. Um, I wanted to get married. I had a, I read for a degree in commerce. I graduated, and my dad had a group of has a group of companies. I was going to take over the business, so I didn't consider the priesthood. In fact, I used to pray this. I say, God, I want to serve you. I want to travel around the world. I started touring with my music as well. I said, but one thing, Jesus, one condition: please don't let me become a priest. Amen. <laughs> I said that same prayer, but he heard mine. Yeah. <laughs> but mine didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> You're obviously closer to God than I am. Oh, obviously. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, I saw the priests as so cut off, in a sense, from the reality that I knew, even my the Christian reality that I knew. But I, eventually, I was giving a concert in Italy, and I, as I was playing this concert, this priest walked in and he was just like so cool and i remember looking at him thinking whoa if jesus if i'll be anything like this guy i'll consider the priesthood and that was god's foot in the door nice. and yeah. it's, it's been open since well i'm glad you answered and i'm glad he didn't answer my prayer because that would have led to very different things but uh <laughs> father rob thanks for coming on today i want people to check you out frgministry.com and then father fr rob Go- rob galea on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, Go check this guy out. He's phenomenal. Father Rob, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, guys, we will be right back for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from Definitely Not Taylor. If you are listening to this show, you should totally rate it and subscribe to it on iTunes. To rate it, go to the iTunes Podcasts app on your phone, search for Tay Catholic, scroll down to Review, give five stars, write that you like the show, and then move on with your day. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic, and like I mentioned earlier, we have a special treat today. We have not one, but two guests today. Our second guest today is Everett Fritz, who has been a guest on this show before. Very popular guest, I might add. People seem to like him. They, uh, people that watch or listen to this show seem to like hearing from larger, bald, bearded men. Uh, That just seems to be a theme that is going around. And Everett is one of those, and it's also why no one listens to Father Anthony. But Everett, welcome back. It's nice to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. If they enjoy listening to me, it's just because they haven't spent enough time with me. But but I appreciate being on the show. I, I keep saying that, but they've stuck around this long, so... I guess they're just crazier than we all thought they were in the beginning. I, th- I thought people who listen to Catholic radio and Catholic podcasts 
were uh, like good and decent people, but they've stuck with us for this long, so maybe we'll have to reevaluate that. Love you, listeners. Okay, so um, <laughs> so isn't the after the Patreon ad that you insult all of your listeners? Are you saying that I would insult our listeners while we're recording and then not put it on the show? How dare you? I've never done that once. You're right. I apologize. You you should. Thank you, Everett. Not only have you come on the show before. Last time you were in studio because you've you've done work with Ablaze Ministries where I work, but you and I have worked together on some worship nights, on some retreats and these sorts of things together. And I love working with you. And you did something the last time that we did a retreat together that was like the best way to invite people into prayer that I've ever seen. Like, I, and I mean that sincerely, uh, because like I've been leading worship and speaking at retreats for over a decade. And one of the struggles is always to get people to like, quote unquote, enter into prayer or essentially participate in prayer with, with all of their focus. And you did it this way that worked like every single kid was into it. So I, I just want to kind of have a conversation today with you about prayer and about how we as Catholics can often struggle with prayer, but we actually know a little bit more than we may think. Yeah, I think a well, simple definition of prayer is that prayer is simply conversation with God. The heart of Christianity is that God who exists came down to to earth because he wants a relationship with us. And relationship requires communication. And so that's that's really the, the idea behind prayer. And Catholics, we're really, really good at uh, memorized prayer. We're really good at, at and in our comfort zone with recited prayer. Um, the, the high point of prayer is liturgy, which of course is, is something that is scripted. Having worked with young people for many, many years, I, I like to push them out of their comfort zone with prayer because I find that that tends to be where the Holy Spirit resides is out of the comfort zone. So long story short, I, I kind of went encountered this exercise in prayer when I was a student at, at Franciscan University of Steubenville. And it was really the uh, my lack of comfort with praise and worship um, because the, the Catholicism that I had known up to the point of coming to the university was very much quiet prayer and adoration. I was very comfortable in an adoration chapel in front of the Blessed Sacrament with my scriptures and my rosary and my different things. And I got to Franciscan University of Steubenville where praise and worship is is commonplace. And uh, people would put their hands up and be like physical in their expression of prayer. And, and I was really not comfortable with it. And uh, but realized and saw like a freedom in it and, and that there was a, a deep relationship with Jesus Christ that these young people had. So I sought out a spiritual director and he, and he started to, to introduce me to praise and worship and really the importance of praise in our everyday life. I'm going to let you jump in because I, I, I'll uh, talk and talk and talk about the exercise and then I'll feel like it will be done with a second and you'll never have said a word. But um. <laughs> you're, a, you're a smart man. It's like you've done this before. Or you read my mind because the moment I thought I should jump in, you were like, "Ah, you should jump in. We're, you've done this before. We're on, we're on the same wavelength here. You go. I, should, I should have my own radio show. Possibly. Maybe. I'm a, maybe, maybe I'm ready. Well, everyone has their podcast. And it, for people who have been listening to the show for forever, so just my mom, will remember that the last time you came on the show, I actually taught you how to do an intro to a radio show. So I've just been prepping you for this for quite some time. But again, I digress. So when you're talking about how a lot of times Catholics are familiar with these rote prayers, but struggle more with the kind of spontaneous or like prayers of praise. And like you had mentioned um, at this retreat, and I'm sure you'll go into it a little bit more, the Magnificat, which is really interesting because like this is a prayer that a lot of us have memorized as a rote prayer, as a scripted prayer that actually came from 
the depths of Mary's religious experience, yes, but also there in the moment. So it was kind of this combination of both for her. We get this great song of praise from Moses after uh, after he, he leads the people through the ocean after the, after he parts the Red Sea, right? And these great spontaneous prayers that we have now, uh, a lot of us have memorized. And like you were saying, a lot of times there's not the heart or the the like focus on it. Like we, we've talked on the show before, how we can go through mass and just go through the motions. And it's like, you know, you begin the, the creed and then you get to the end of the creed and you have no idea what you just said, <laughs> even though you said every word exactly perfectly. So like we have this history of this combination of the spontaneous and the rote prayers. And I think the pendulum has swung a lot towards the rote. And, and what I saw you do was kind of be like, okay, let's take what we know from the rote and, and make this something that we are having this, this conversation, this communication with God. So, uh, yeah. So let's dive into what you did at the retreat to, yeah. that actually helped them. Well, if you look at the scriptures, like all throughout the scriptures, there is uh, there are all kinds of people who do prayers of praise. And in fact, some of those prayers of praise have made it into like Liturgy of the Hours, where we talk about the Magnificat, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, or the Canticle of Zechariah, or uh, you can think about the, the Canticle of, of the prophet Daniel. You can go on and on and on. Uh, what I think we, we don't realize, because we hear these over and over and over again, we hear the Psalms at Mass, um, they're... All of these prayers of praise are spontaneous at the time that Mary didn't have. It's not like she received Jesus within her womb. She meets her cousin Elizabeth. Cousin Elizabeth gives glory to God for the fact that she's pregnant with child with the son of God. And Mary's not like, now let me recite this prayer that I've memorized. No, I mean, it was spontaneous where she says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And it comes out of her own desire to give back to God uh, out of love for him. And, and this is one of the reasons why I feel like it, it's so important in the maturity of a, a Christian person in growing in maturity and, and prayer life to have praise in your back pocket. On the this retreat that I led uh, with you, there was uh, a moment where we were singing the songs that you were leading us in. And then I had you stop with the words of the song because it's really easy to follow along with the words of the song. And so often it feels like singing when it, in actuality I want them to go deeper than that. So uh, I started to lead them through an exercise where I was like, okay, I want you to, to think about uh, a name for God. It could be Abba. It could be father. It could be Jesus. It could be Lord. Um, whatever the case may be, whatever your name is for God, there are a, a ton of those names within the scriptures. Um, so come up with your personal name for God. And then I want you to say you are, and then come up with three adjectives for God. Um, so, I mean, this is a really simple exercise. So it, it could be, you know, Jesus, you are merciful, you are compassionate, you are powerful. And, and so then I would have them like actually speak that out loud. And then we started to put the music back in behind it. And we were like, okay, we're going to sustain this now. I want you to just keep saying things about God for like the next 60 seconds. And what was really interesting and beautiful, every time I've led this exercise on a retreat, is that you start to see like a light bulb go off in the, the young person's head where they realize like, okay, I'm giving a gift to God and this is really what communication looks like. And, and I'm giving back to the Lord with my words in, in terms of praise. Uh, you start to see them start to realize like, okay, my words matter. And it makes a difference it's if I'm speaking these words out loud and if I'm actually putting a heart behind it. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What was most interesting to me, you said the light bulb went off. And I think both seeing that and then talking with those students after, it was that like there's not this competition between rote prayers 
and the spontaneous prayers, like the two feed off of each other. But but since we struggle more with the spontaneous, the light bulb that I saw was that they were like, oh, where did they get those words from? It was from the rote prayers that they had learned before. It was from hearing the scriptures growing up. It was from being in mass. It was from the Gloria, all, like all these things that we've all experienced. And it was like, oh, I actually do know how to do this. No one just ever showed me that or taught me how. Uh, but we have to check in with Father Anthony because as a priest, he's only allowed to pray through rote prayers. So I want to hear his two <laughs> thoughts, his two cents on this on this whole subject. Yeah. So uh, believe it or not, I, I, I am encouraged to pray my own prayers as well. Um, but, you know, the, the beautiful thing about praise and why it's so important is that a lot of times when we go to prayer, we're going um, we're going to prayer with our sins and we want Jesus to um, soften our hearts, help us to repent, forgive us our sins. That's beautiful. That's good. Or we go to him with our petitions like, Lord, can you help this? Can you heal this? Can you help this person? That's also good as well. But the beautiful thing about praise and why it's so important is that there is no reference to self. You just lose yourself in who God is. There's no reference back to yourself. And something about giving God the praise that is due, even though he doesn't need it, he doesn't need to be reminded about how good he is. It's our kind of human creative way of losing ourselves in God, in prayer. And then when we come out of that, we find ourselves refreshed and renewed. We find ourselves in a small way healed. By losing ourselves in prayer, we gain so much more back. And that's exactly how God works. He doesn't need any of the stuff we give him, but just the very act of, of offering is what's healing for us. One of the things you said, when I tell a person to have conversation with God, frequently their prayer turns into just that, a conversation. Let me tell you about my day. Let me tell you what I need help with in my prayer intentions. Maybe if they have a little bit of maturity in their life, they, they give gratitude to God for what they have in their life. But praise, I don't tend to hear it that much. If I ask somebody, how do you praise God? They are like, well, I do it at mass or I do it when I sing songs or whatever the case may be. It's like, no, no, no. How do you praise God? Like in a loving relationship, a person that you are in love with, you tend to want to give to. That's the very nature of love is that you give of yourself. And it's like, well, what can we give to God? <laughs> like, like, what is what is possible? I love my wife. And because I love my wife, I will say things to her like, you are beautiful. And I say things to her like, boy, you, you really do a phenomenal job with our children as a wife and mother of our family. I praise her because I love her. Giving praise to God for who he is, is something that we can give him and to show him our love to him, which is such an important part of a back and forth relationship. Uh, with another another person, in this case, God. One of, the, one of the most interesting things for me as somebody who is a worship leader and has been trying to help people get into prayer and to uh, and to kind of guide them in prayer for a long time is like one of the big reasons why I love praise and worship and like praise and mass and all these sorts of things is kind of what both of you guys are talking about is that it gets me out of myself a bit. Because all the other things are somewhat self-centered, which is no surprise to anybody that that's, that comes a little bit easier to me. It's like, God, help me with this is the most basic. But then it's like, thank you that you did this for me. And then hopefully by saying thank you, you'll say yes the next time I ask you for something. Uh, but praise is the most where it's like, this isn't about me. This is about you. It adds to this humility. It adds to this, like, every time that I come into a, a time of praise, it's like, God is God and I am not. And I'm reminded of that because I slip into that pretty easily just in my normal thought processes throughout the day. So that that, that prayer of praise helps me to, to recognize 
that I'm I'm a schmuck and I need to not focus on myself all the time. Yeah, I'm reminded of a story. Uh, I was took a group of middle schoolers to a uh, like a youth conference, and you know when I'm with middle schoolers, I don't expect to see maturity in prayer. Uh, that's part of the journeying with them to help them grow. But I, we were going into Eucharistic adoration, and I heard one of the middle schoolers say, "Oh, I really hope they play Oceans," which is a song by Hillsong popular song. He says, I really hope they, they play Oceans tonight. And I was like, oh, why do you hope that? He's like, oh, I really love that song. It always makes me cry. I'm like, I don't uh, think you understand what we're going for. <laughs> like the whole point of them playing music during adoration isn't to make you more emotional or to make you cry or to entertain you um, with the song. It's to give you words to help you enter into prayer. If you don't get that, then the music that's being played just feels like another form of entertainment or, you know, emotional manipulation or whatever the case may be. So for me, it became a teachable moment for that kid, but it, it just goes to show like w- what a difference it is, what the purpose is of, for example, for you as a worship leader, what the purpose is of for music uh, at mass or in worship or on retreats or, or just in prayer in general, it's to help us give words to our expression of love to God. You know, something about that kind of triggering of emotion can be important as long as you direct it to God. You know, a lot of times when I offer funeral masses, then we go to the grave site and the family's all keeping it together. And if the family member who's died was in the military, there's an honor guard service. And one of the things they'll do is they'll fire three rounds into the sky. And those gunshots, like, boom, break them out of their trying to keep everything together. And then they're able to mourn a little bit. I think there's something similar with the emotional part of praise and worship is that why is that student, why do they want to cry? Like what's going on that you're not able to give to God? So the music can kind of set the scene and put us in an emotional space where then we can take that and more authentically give it to God. But you're right. The problem is a lot of times we make that emotion thing just the end instead of a vehicle to bring things in a more complete way to God, to bring our complete person, which does include our emotions as well as our intellect. That's really important too. I've, I've spoken with Catholics who will scold people for being emotional in, in a retreat setting. They're like, oh, it's just emotional manipulation. It's like, no, God created us as emotional beings. Right. There, there's nothing wrong with emotion. In fact, emotions, as you mentioned, it, it can be an expression of love towards God or he, a healing moment or whatever the case may be. But emotion isn't the goal in and of itself right. and, uh, and should never be sought out at, in and of itself. But, you know, at the same time, we're, we're also not called to be like, uh, Spock, you know, <laughs> we, are, we are emotional beings. And if everybody was like Spock, it would be a joyless society. So yeah. that brings us to our time for the day. But also, also the last thing I want to say on this topic is that, uh, like you guys were saying, sometimes this the music especially can make us very emotional. But let's be honest, a lot of Catholic music makes us cry for a very different reason because it sounds like nails on a chalkboard. But that's a, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing that we're trying to fix on a very different day. Everett, thank you so much for coming on today. How can people stay connected with you? I've got a, a couple of books they can find on Amazon and a website, everettfritz.com. And I also have an apostle that I run called standandrewmissionaries.org. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter as well. All good things, all good things. Well, uh, thanks for coming on today. Father Anthony, thank you, as always, for your time. Uh, Guys, I'll be back next week. These guys won't, but I will love you. See ya! Father Anthony, that last commercial we did was actually pretty good. Uh, Do you have a good idea for a commercial for Patreon? Yeah. Uh, if you listen to the episodes with me and Taylor, we always have amazing extra content that doesn't make it on the podcast. I'm so excited. I give to your Patreon. That's how much I like it. You sure do. Do you listen to it? I do. 
the and parts we, where I'm on. <laughs> you're you're selfish and strange. Um, <laughs> but but uh, we actually like it's pretty awesome. There's like a podcast feed just for the Patreon content that you could put in your podcasting app and hear it just like uh, you would the podcast. But it's only for you because you bought the right to have that. And speaking of that. Uh, you bought the right to support the show because I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. That's it, Father Anthony. We're done. Good. Love you. Love you too. That's how the show's ended. (laughs) Okay.